What's up, everybody? Welcome to Detroit Karate Radio, Season 7, Episode 18. Oh, we're legal now. Yeah, yeah Season we 7 is officially legal. Oh, no, yeah. man, that means we're not hot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the Olsen twins. We, we, nope. we can no longer be an internet phenom with, uh, you know, great That's music true. like uh, Rebecca Black. But uh, no, we're here no with uh, we're here with the regular cast of characters, minus That's of course so Diggler, who is still in Mexico. We have Nicholas, we have Bonet in for Diggler, we got Goof Juice, Yo. Artifact, Adam, Arseface, Hernandez on the boards. I am Squirrel. Uh, we got a special show for you today. Ew. In about twelve minutes, we're gonna have Jack Cammer, the author of Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion, calling in. But. Until then, we get a little time to kill and grouchiness to to uh, talk about. He does a number on concrete. What? Jackhammer. Oh, oh Jackhammer. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, <laughs> I said to get out of the way before he calls because oh, then like it would happen during the call. Oh, yeah. That would be embarrassing. Were he on the line? Just have like a a terrible. Your name sounds like this joke. <laughs> Oh man, maybe maybe next week maybe next week we can get his bro- his brother Sledge Cam. Here we on. go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dang! Oh man, these jokes suck. Him and the the dog ball peen. <laughs> the what? Ball. <laughs> the dog ball peen camera. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. the wow, badness. Okay. The badness never stops. Well, sir. we don't want to even talk about their pet crab, do we? Uh-huh. Claw, claw. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I heard uh, only Thor could pick up his grandfather, though. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, now it's out of our system. So we yeah, can... yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we get time for a quick dead cast? Sure. Yeah, oh sure. God, who, yeah. Who ready. Ate I don't know. Dead who, ready. Who did that? Who are you talking about beforehand? Oh, we already talked about no, him. That oh, was we from, did. That oh, was like four months ago. Oh, all right. It was a while ago. I just remembered that he died. And Dwayne, it was kind of depressing. Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah, which, uh, of course, comic book writer. Yes. Kind of, uh, inventor of Benton and Static uh, Shock. Static Shock. It's a superhero, Static Shock. Which uh, we do have. Uh, we do got Christine calling in for the. Uh, for the panel discussion on comic books later on this episode awesome. too, we might have to bump them back a touch just because. Not sure we're going to give uh, we're gonna give Jack Damon as much. Style. Yeah, we might. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we might be Matt Damoning. Uh, Matt Damon. My apologies to Matt Damon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I actually just used that joke when I talked to Mr. Cini earlier today and told him we might be Matt Damoning him. Awesome. So, but he'll. We are going to get him on tonight. So, comic book fans, stay tuned. We uh, we definitely will have uh, Chris Cini on, but we're just gonna give uh, give Mr. Cameron a little bit extra time. What's up? Squirrel, I just want to say that the Carolina Panthers are officially on the clock. We got the NFL draft going on right oh, now. All okay. right. Excellent. Oh, that's Excellent. right. The first round starts Sweet. On, uh, tonight. I heard, right that, I heard that they time. told them they could have limited uh was it limited activity? Because they couldn't come to some any kind of agreement. They, they just can't, kind of they caved. Can't, they selected. They Cam Newton, Newton, first overall pick. Uh, Quarterbacks after quarterback. They can't. uh, They can't trade players. Got to run on quarterbacks. (laughs) Carolina's just going to continually draft quarterbacks until one. The next team is going to try to draft Wayne Newton, and it's all going to go to shit. (laughs) They could. The singer. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually Cam. Cam Newton is actually uh, the stepson of Wayne Newton. There we go. So apparently, Christina Aguilera's marriage is in the dead cast officially. Oh, really? Her divorce was just finalized. Oh, oh well, I neat. mean, 
Since she's a celebrity's last while. <laughs> speaking speaking of things destined for divorce, royal wedding will be happening yes. uh, approximately oh, six a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, festivities start at four a.m. They were making a big deal about how the the royal yeah, guard is up. not obligated to protect her on the news the other day. Oh, really? Not yet? Yes. No, yeah. they're not at all. Really? Well, obviously, yeah. you can tell that's legit as Diana's well, face. Well, will she even have a title when she first marries him? I think so, yeah. Don't she automatically get princess okay. as soon as you marry a prince? Queen of hot. Yeah. <laughs> they call her the royal womb, since to them that's all she is. Gross. <laughs> the royal nursemaid. Yeah, the, uh, be a boy. Yeah, that shit better happen soon and it better the first boy comes out Harry's just gonna hang his head (laughs) (laughs) all chance is gone thank (laughs) god they're just you know actually even uh, even if it was a girl it would actually technically jump over Harry really yeah yeah Harry's my the, hero. The uh, the girl just a, wasn't he the one that wore the wore the Nazi outfit yeah. to the Halloween the, party. Okay, so he effed up. Yeah, that he's one kind of a time. douche. Yeah, <laughs> the only t- the only time you get screwed as a girl is if they have a girl first and then they have a boy second. Oh, yeah, the boy yeah, yeah. jumps over them. Yeah. What happens if that boy dies? Then does it go back to the girl, or it does, then would yeah. it go to the next? Well, the next brother. boy. Okay. The, the ne- if that boy had a brother, that basically it goes by age, but sex trumps age. Gotcha. You know, so the, I gotcha. Although like, we, for instance, uh, Prince Charles is the oldest, but uh, was it, uh, who's the dude that was married to Fergie? Fucking Andrew, right? Yeah. Will, Will is, I am. I is, the, uh, <laughs> is, the, uh, is the second oldest, so he's second. Their third, the third child is their sister. Then fourth, they have another brother. Whatever. That fourth brother is ahead of the sister. Okay. And what happens if, let's say, Kate Middleton... Okay, let's say, uh, what's-his-name is King. William yeah. is King. This is just names King for Willie. easy. And uh, Middleton is with child. And uh, William dies in yeah. the line of fire. Harry would then become president, but then when that child is born... He would become regent, and that child would... Uh, would assume the throne the yes. moment it passed. Child king, let's Middleton's get this. Let's vagina make this lips. happen. Yes, okay. England needs a child king. I think. <laughs> but uh, when, did, when does the kid get the throne? When well, they can speak, the kid is technically the kid would technically be king as like an infant, even. Awesome. But <laughs> that, oh my god, you mentioned the media you're, coverage. They, they don't let him take. Your it's like the dude, this they like don't the, take over till it's like uh, the kid from like Temple of now. Doom. <laughs> they, they have a regent. They they have a regent in charge. Like uh, That's I mean, awesome. this is uh, France, so awesome. France, not um, not France, not England, but uh, King Louis the yeah. who he was king for about seventy five years or so. Yeah. He uh, Damn. he became king technically when he was about three or four years old. Nice. Wow. And uh, but you know his uncles and stuff kind of ran the yeah, ran the show until the, then. Pressed him into slavery while the thuggy tried yeah. to kind of like heart. when kind of like when Scar took over the pride. Exactly. Like Simba Scar. was way too young. That's exactly, exactly what it was like. Scared him off. And exactly. then when he finally came back, he assumed his throne. Okay. In this scenario, awesome. what what do you think the chances would be that Kate Middleton would be pushed down the stairs if she were with child and Prince Harry were? She's going to be oh, Prince Harry, the oh. one pushing her down the yeah. stairs, wouldn't well, it? She's going to die of a massive crab infection anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Wow. Wow. Why? What? So? Why do you think? Why, you did he get her? to her already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, yo? <laughs> she hung out with the Grouties last week, so we happen to know. <laughs> Crashed her bachelorette party. <laughs> I'm just assuming dudes in the British military have heard stories. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I mean, he he is like the the prince of England. Maybe he's hitting a little bit higher class chicks than. It's true. Yeah. 
She I mean, wasn't crabs, or, or maybe not. I don't know. Don't. He probably is a guy that goes in and checks that shit first yeah. before. Like he a did. poison, t- <laughs> like a poison checker. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, that's the best job ever. Someone like, sips out of his glass before. Like he Elvis used it. to. Elvis used to do that. He's an STD <laughs> checker. Elvis used to have his buddies. He's just gotta bury his face in there and see if anything comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis used to have buddies who he'd send in to. He'd be like, yeah. Nail that chick, will you? Let me know how she is. <laughs> huh. So Elvis was always getting his buddy slapped a second. <laughs> I guess so. That's awesome. And Elvis except, would except only with Scylla. But never the except drippy never the drippy seconds, which Scylla is the saved important thing to avoid. <laughs> drippy seconds are within one minute. Yeah. <laughs> where where then where then your buddies when your buddies uh sperm Enters when it's enters yeah. your penis when it's still swimming. Yep, exactly. It's then like the candiru; it just goes up the wrong way. And yep, it's like drinking your buddy's beer like the second after he takes it, yeah, so you yeah, get a little yeah, backwash yeah. in spit. the system. Mm-hmm. You know. How do my boys taste? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So, oh yeah, it should be a, a grand royal yeah, event. Yeah. Oh yeah, pull I'm the, super excited. Pull the all nighter. Are you? Speaking no. of British shit, um, <laughs> no. Speaking of British shit, Doctor Who, awesome town. The ratings were insane. They got like 1.6 really? million viewers on BBC America. Did they really? Yes. Holy shit! Yeah. Maybe I should yeah. try watching this. By all accounts, it's, it's incredibly great, good. It's really good. Tried. I haven't I haven't watched the new C. I haven't watched uh, the new Doctor yet, but. Oh, yeah. watched, like, so you uh, haven't watched any of the last series? I did not get watch last series because I still haven't seen how David Tennant. Uh, oh. Parted, so yeah, not he shot not gracefully. He, he was shot himself <laughs> in the head. <laughs> From what I can gather, I haven't seen it, but he went out begging, like I don't want to go. Well, he said that. He said I am willing to begging play this for character for the rest of my life, and they. But he also said he goes, if I don't leave now, he goes, I'm never going to leave right. this role. So, which I mean, he was friggin' awesome. So, yeah, I thought Eccleston was great too. Though. Yeah, it's true. He had to go and be Destro. So I was on YouTube the other day, and I found this. Uh, poorly edited but kind of funny video where they took Dr. Dre's new song and put it oh God. to uh, the Doctor Who preview. <laughs> and by searching YouTube, I mean I made this video <laughs> <laughs> with the Dr. Dre thing. <laughs> did you really? the, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> What's it just, titled? Just type in Doctor Who dash Dr. Dre. That's all nice. it is. Did you put it on uh, yours or the Grouty Entertainment? I put it on Licholas76, which is my name. I don't you have the have Grouty Entertainment uh, Dr. Who Dre. So. Oh, man. That was only a... <laughs> you realize you could text. I know. I did it one morning real quick. Uh, <laughs> J-Ray J- was like, dude, like, how isn't this a thing? I'm yeah. like, oh, awesome. I'll make it. Speaking of awesome, so <laughs> awesome YouTube videos, I found something today and then found out some other podcasts were talking about it as well. There's a spoof of the Friday video called Prime Day oh, that yeah. is hilarious. Oh, it is very funny. Oh, my God. It's apparently some dudes that do a lot of pop songs with Star Wars videos, except this time they actually changed the lyrics instead of just doing the song with acting behind it. Yeah, <laughs> it was fantastic. I actually watched the Prime Day video, and then I finally, for the first time, watched <laughs> Friday. That's all you watch Prime Day first. That's all and then I, I watched it, and I'm like... I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cheesy. And then as I'm watching the fucking real video, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, everything yeah, is yeah. stolen. It's <laughs> like, worse. This is so horrible. When he starts listing <laughs> the different Star Wars days, oh, my I God. cracked up. That was so awesome. And I'm very happy he kept in the we so excited. Of course he <laughs> did. Just like verbatim. You can't not. I will we so excited. <laughs> we so excited. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. 
I'm He's curious so though, because they actually did their other ones. They never, they didn't change the lyrics for. Yeah, it. they just did acting behind it. Like but, there's a Kesha song on there. Yeah. and some other shit. Did how? Because it sounded, they must have had somebody else sing the whole thing. It sounded like her though. I mean, not that it would be hard to replace garbage vocals, but yeah, that's true. I actually wonder if they. If it would have been actually her, they would she they would have probably had her in the video though. Oh, uh, looks like looks like we uh, got um got our caller. Awesome. Hello, uh, you're on with Grouties. This is Squirrels. This is Jack Cammer. This is Jack Cammer. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing real well. Can you hear me? Okay. We can hear you uh, perfectly. You're on live with uh, Adam Lickless, Bonet, Goof Juice, Artifact, and Squirrel, which is me. Um, how you doing, Hello. man? I'm sorry, Jack. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay, okay, great. Um, you are. So how, how many? How many folks are we talking to today? There is six of us here, including myself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> how Hello. you doing? How are you? Uh, you are, of course, the author of Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion. Um, yeah. Before we get to talking about the uh, the rebellion itself, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, let's see. It's uh, it's a brief book. Intended for young men, I suggested the ages of 13 to 23, although that's completely subjective. And it's a book that I published uh, the way independent musicians publish music mm-hmm. and the way uh, independent filmmakers make indie films. Uh, just say hey, I published this myself using the new digital tools that desktop publishing and the Internet make, the internet make possible. Excellent. I uh, um, the entire crew here didn't get a chance to read the book, but Lickless and I both uh, both read it, and um, none of us here are between the age of thirteen and twenty-three. But I'm I'm a single dad, and I definitely found uh, you know, you know that it was definitely helpful, and you know definitely found um, you know, a lot of good things within the book. Pleasantly surprised with it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the premise, if you don't mind. Tell us about the what? The premise of the of the book and the rebellion. The premise of the book? Well, basically, I would say that the premise of the book is that we need society to do for boys and men what we as a society have done for girls and women over the past 50 years, which is to say we need to open up a full and complete range of options for how people choose to live their lives as opposed to being limited and restricted and pigeonholed by virtue of stereotypes about the proper roles of, of men and the proper roles of women and boys and girls. Excellent, excellent. Um, you are, of course, you are the head of the Center for Men and Boys in Social Policy. And uh, where's, yeah, that, uh, where's that located? That's in Baltimore. But look, let me, let me be honest about what the Center for Men and Boys in Social Policy is. Um, I'll, I'll tell you about the organizational chart for the Center for Men and Boys in Social Policy. It's, it's a rectangle with the word Jack in it. That's the organizational chart. It's just me. It's just you. <laughs> it's just me and and all of the uh, networking I can muster. <laughs> where uh, where can people find some of this stuff on, on the web? It's at believeinmen.com. Believeinmen.com. Okay. Okay, and that's where people can uh, join the uh, Blue Sky Rebellion, if you will? Well, that's, that's the Center for Men and Boys in Social Policy. Uh, the books that I've written 
and uh, Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion is the third, uh, can be found at healthyvillagepress.com. Healthyvillagepress.com. Is that like a print-on... Sorry, is that like a print-on-demand kind of situation, where as, as orders come in, the books get printed right then, or are you printing a whole bunch? Or? No, they, it, it is print-on-demand. Very uh, cool. I'm doing this through CreateSpace, which is a division of Amazon. The first book I wrote was called uh, Goodwill Toward Men. Women talk candidly about the balance of power between the sexes. And that was published the old-fashioned way, which is to say it had a major New York publisher. This was in 1994. St. Martin's Press published it. And, um, well, for reasons we can talk about, if you'd like, uh, Absolutely. It, it, didn't, it didn't sell terrifically well. It ran into what some of us call the lace curtain, <laughs> which is the reluctance of people in the publishing industry to uh, give voice to opinions that they find uh, uh, un, uh, unorthodox, not matching the uh, standard political correctness of the day. My book, Dare to Say Good Things About Men, and it dared to talk to women who had good things to say about men. That was in 1994. Uh, then I wrote a book called If Men Have All the Power, How Come Women Make the Rules? And uh, I found an agent in New York who said she could sell it. She thought it was great. She said she wouldn't have any problem selling the book to a publisher, but we could find no publisher. And so I ended up doing that one uh, as an ebook. I was giving it away for a while. And uh, now it's on Create Space, which is, as I said, a division of Amazon. It's available on the on the internet. And, and last year I did Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion. Hey, I, I, hey, it's uh, Nicholas here. Um, I was just wondering. You would explain a little bit of uh, in the uh, in the author section in the back. But what brought you to come to uh, this? Uh, this place where you uh, came up with the Blue Sky Rebellion. I know you had mentioned it in the back, uh, talking about your father and just uh, how you, uh, you know, were disappointed in the ideal idea of the man, a man's role in society. Was it just that, or was there like a specific thing that uh, led you to this? Or well, now that I have arrived at the place where I see things that I see, I can I can connect lots of dots that I didn't even notice uh, in my childhood. Um, probably the, one of the earliest things I can remember in my childhood about uh, being led on this path that has gotten me to the point where I think that talking about gender biases against males is significant and something that we need to do. I talk about um, the left-handed compliments that children sometimes receive. Now, 50 years ago, uh, little girls would get the left-handed compliment that said something like, you're really good at sports, dot, 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 for a girl. <laughs> or little girls would hear, you're really good at math, dot, 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 for a girl. So it's a compliment, but not really a compliment. It's sort of a veiled way of saying, or at least it was 50 years ago, it was a veiled way of saying to little girls, you know, you're not really supposed to be good at sports. And you're not really supposed to be good at math. Uh, you know, what kind of a girl are you? There might be something wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? You with me mm -hmm. on that? Absolutely. What I used to hear as a little boy was, you know, Jack, you're really good at you're really good with babies. Dot 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 for a boy. And I knew there was something wrong with that. There was something up. Somebody was trying to tell me something. I love babies. I still love babies. I can't think of anything more fun in the world than babies. 
And I love playing with babies. It was great. <laughs> but the message was that, you know, as a boy, I really shouldn't be doing this. I should be leaving this to the girls and women because I wasn't really sure why. But the message was, it wasn't really something for boys to uh, spend a lot of time and energy and effort and attention on. Okay. Now, that's something that I have realized recently. Um, more, more, more recently than when I was a child, I can tell you that I used to be on a co-ed softball team. And we played on Tuesday nights. And two consecutive Tuesday nights, after the games, we'd go out drinking and having dinner. And two consecutive Tuesday nights, I found myself sitting with one of my female teammates at a table. And both times, these women were pouring their hearts out to me. I'm, a, I'm happy to listen about problems they were having with their boyfriends. And so they would go on with their tales of woe about all of the horrible things he had done to, to each of them, each, the, the two guys had done to the two women. And both times these women ended their stories by saying, and so he's a real jerk, don't you think? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, maybe, maybe he's a jerk, but, you know, based on what you told me, Maybe the way it looks to him is such and such. And I offered a possibility and a point of view and a perspective that was perfectly obvious from a male perspective. Both times, both consecutive Tuesday nights, these women said, oh, my God, I never thought of that. And then they said, and you know what? That does make sense because he did say such and such and such and such. And so it became pretty clear to me that the male point of view is just not really well, very well understood or appreciated. And one of the reasons I came to understand was that the male point of view is not just, it's just not very well articulated. We as men are not encouraged, and in fact, we are the opposite of encouraged. We're discouraged and even, even in some cases threatened, dared to speak, uh, speak what's on our minds and, and, and our truth. We often hear... Oh, talk to me. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what's on your mind. But often that translates into, talk to me, but don't tell me anything I don't want to hear. And, you know, we as men sort of have to say, I just need to tell you what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. And, and I hope you can listen to me. I'm sorry if this makes you feel bad, but I'm sure we can work it out. But I have to tell you that my feelings are my feelings and my thoughts are my thoughts. And if we're going to have a full relationship here, you really got to respect what I have to say as much as you expect me to respect what you have to say. Do you? I know this is kind of, yeah. I know this is kind of. I, do you find that typically I, you've you've given some uh, some good examples, but do you find that typically women are pretty receptive to the uh, Blue Sky Rebellion? I find that mothers are. Okay. Mothers of sons are. That makes, that now, makes I have, sense. I have to tell you that this book has not been read by multiple millions of people. I mean, it's probably been read by, I don't know, well under 100, probably. Mm-hmm. But the people who pick it up and read it like it. I should say there are some people who seem to pick it up, read it, and aren't sure what to make of it. I've had a couple of uh, people in the media say, this is really interesting. I never thought of it like this. I stayed up all night reading it. This is really powerful and a whole new perspective. Uh, let me get back to you uh, about the interview that I want to do with you. And I follow up, but they don't get back to me. I think they're just not quite sure how to deal with the suggestion that 
we need to do for boys and men the equivalent of what we've done for girls and women. It was much easier for women to say, we need to get what we want, and it's much less easy for them to say, you need to get what you want. Do you think maybe one of the problems with that is because there has been this, I mean, it's it's pretty much been like this forever with uh, the you know male roles and all that stuff, but do you think, especially in the United States where we live in a capitalist society, do you think it is so ingrained economically for this to be the way it is uh, for the gender roles that um, it's almost kind of like going against everything we believe in on a more monetary value than anything where people may be afraid to change it because they don't want it to affect the economy and stuff like that? Well, I think you're probably pointing to a very important factor in keeping the status quo the status quo. You know, as uh, the Watergate guys found, follow the money, right? Money has a powerful influence on just about everything that humans undertake. I think that's certainly one of the reasons that the powers that be don't want to change the status quo. Men are um, largely defined as economic creatures. Uh, one of our primary roles and one of the main ways we get uh, satisfaction and pride in our lives is to be the quote-unquote provider. And what that, does, that doesn't mean providing love and loyalty and nurturance and guidance and wisdom. What that means is providing dollars, moolah, money, paychecks. And when the, when the society has a group of people who are willing to do just about anything to get and keep a paying job, then the people who are in a position to take advantage of that are, are happy. They're not interested in giving options to people who are currently uh, being treated badly. You know, if a man has a job and isn't being treated well by his boss, and wishes he could just say, I'm out of here, take this job and shove it. If he could do that, the boss would have to think about maybe treating the guy a little better. And the economy, or the, the uh, powerful forces in the economy, might have to uh, take a little bit less profit maybe, have to be a little bit more flexible in how they treat their, their workers. Um, but if the guy knows... If I don't have this paycheck, I am nothing, then the powers that be can just go on their merry way and use up workers as they will. Do you ever That's find, one factor. Do you ever find that men, although maybe they agree with everything you have to say and, you know, like the book, like the revolution, like the rebellion, all, they, you know, despite them agreeing with you, that they're kind of scared to step up and say this is a this is a good idea or this is something they agree with? Yes. Yes, I do very much. I mean, you know, think about what is one of the most important things for men. We want women's approval. We want to be seen as desirable. We want to be seen as worthy. We want to be seen as um, people to be embraced uh, in, a, in a, uh, a, a committed relationship, a family. Find me worthy of uh, your love. I mean, in the, in the Vietnam War, for instance, or back around the time of the Vietnam War, women said yes to men who said no. You know, think of the power of that. 
we are very focused on what women want, very focused on women's approval. And we risk a lot when we stand up and say, yes, ma'am, I understand that you have problems in your life and that uh, gender biases have operated against you. I need you to understand that I'm willing to work with you to overcome those obstacles that impact you negatively. But we also, as men, suffer from limitations imposed by gender stereotypes, and we need you to work with us on overcoming the ones that operate against us. Even if that means I don't always do exactly what you might want me to do in your uh, dreams and fantasies of the kind of man you want. So I do feel is I mean we had, we had talked about you know men possibly just being simply scared to stand up for this, but do you feel that I mean what one of the one of the positive things you'd say about about men perhaps is that. And do you feel that the male ability to roll with the punches and practice I and mean, what I'll sometimes refer to as like a controlled apathy, you know, an example would be, you know, a man doesn't care if he drinks his beer out of a, out of a cup or a, or a can, you know, and do you, do you, you know, that, uh, you know, and a man just kind of seems to have that ability to roll with the punches. Do you think that that almost leads to a situation where they're mistreated by other men and by women as well? Well, I think they're, they're, I wasn't exactly sure I heard your question because a big double-decker bus just drove by. But, <laughs> but let me mention this, and if, and if I don't answer your, if this doesn't answer your question, you, you can restate it. Sure. But what comes to, to mind from what you just said is that what I want to say is that there are some really good things about male socialization, some really good things. I think it's it's great that we don't really get bent out of shape about whether we drink the beer out of the can or the glass, and we don't get bent out of shape about a lot of things that don't really matter. And that's a really good thing, that we can be strong and flexible and not, and not get uh, spazzed out about things that aren't that are really very important. But too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And when we take that, that piece of the male culture, which is nothing bothers us, and we apply it to things that really do bother us, then we're not doing anybody any favors by pretending that they don't. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> do you, do you feel that? I mean, it's I know it's kind of difficult to just get men as individuals uh, on board with this. Do you feel that the media could ever jump on board with this and you know almost get away from the you know the the men are idiots commercials and the things that you you know see on a daily basis on television and radio? Yes, I think it's very possible because if you look at the media fifty years ago, it was often the women who were portrayed as the dummies and the bimbos and the people who couldn't take care of themselves, and, and the people who couldn't wait for the man to come home from the office so that uh, he could, you know, unstuff, unstuff the drain or, you know, do something that women today don't think twice about doing themselves. No problem. So, sure, 50 years ago, the style of the media, the, the cultural message was that women are dumb, women are airheads, women are bimbos, and men are smart and strong, and, and it can change. I mean, we've certainly seen it change over the past 30, 40, 50 years. And yes, it could change. It can change uh, in such a way that we, we see both men and women as both good and bad and much more realistically than we do currently because currently we tend to see women as smart, strong, powerful, wonderful, wise, kind, gentle, and we tend to see men as sort of dumb, stupid, ignorant, boorish, oafish, violent, Neanderthals. 
Hey, I realize this is uh, basically, I mean, obviously this is what the book is about, but um, how would do you, uh, I know you can't go into every aspect of it, but how do you suggest that we start this thing up? How, like just how the, the whole, the whole feminism movement uh, eventually got women in, into, into every aspect of, you know, pol- uh, government, uh, the workplace, everywhere. How do you... Uh, suggest that this goes about because I mean it, it it is a would be a huge social shift that's uh, as of right now really we're not unfortunately the way things are it's not even like close right that's a good question and I've been thinking about that um, I just read a really good book called join the club and it's about the effects and the power of positive peer pressure so one of the questions I thought I would like to ask you gentlemen and there's six of you Correct. Yeah, five, five, right? five, five guys and uh, one female here, actually. Okay, great. So t- tell me, what are your expectations of each other? What are the common bonds? What are the norms of your, of your um, association with each other? What do you expect from each other? What, how do you measure loyalty to each other? That's a, that's a good question. No, it's very – it's <laughs> good. It's, um, I, you know, just – through obviously just and to say it broadly just through the friendships you know just you can if if you need something if if, if real simple if you're moving you can call one of your good buddies up and even if it's a real pain in the ass you know they're gonna say yeah you know what definitely no problem no problem definitely so you know just being able to like you know count on each other it's you know kind of like a, a lean on me type thing um and and as a guy it is mainly with men it's with other it's with other guys i i don't have a female friend who when i need something i call them it's not and i have female i have several i've quite a few female friends but that's not the friendship i have with them with the guys it is more of a you know they're the ones i can count on okay so what you're saying so far is that one of the principles of your of your of your circle there is that you can on each other for logistical things yeah, absolutely. Right? For for uh, yeah, for hands-on favors and stuff like that. Okay. Do you have any expectations of each other when it comes to uh, goals, long-term goals in life? Um, yeah, actually, uh, I know like me and Nicholas, for example, um, we are co-owners in a production company that produces this podcast and um, some other things. So it's uh, from a business standpoint. Yeah, I, I need him to not flake out, and he needs me to not flake out for the same reasons, you know. And I guess it's a monetary reason to that aspect. Okay, so we got logistics and and uh, finance or or career. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Do you have expectations of each other on um, on uh, a more subjective, a more emotional level, a more um, psychologically supportive level no not really because you you just almost feel like you don't you don't even want to talk to your guy friends about that kind of stuff you know yeah you'd rather just bottle it up (laughs) (laughs) well i mean he's kind of even getting that to that point where it's like that's almost like a a stereotypical role of men is like you can't talk about your problems like that with your guy friends you can't you have to bottle it up because you got to be the tough guy it's like Right. I don't see the reason. Right. Any reason why I couldn't? I mean, I wouldn't feel in, any more weird coming to one of these guys 
if I had a severe problem or issue. You know, I I don't think it would I would feel like demanlied or devalued as a as a man if that's a word. But it's not part of the regular repertoire, is it? No, no, no. Yeah. And so when you think about the ways in which men are disadvantaged by the current situation, you can compare and contrast it to one of the ways in which women are powerful in the current situation. And and you've heard the saying, the sisterhood is powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, we need a powerful brotherhood. That's true. No, and, I mean, that is true. I mean, it does not. A woman doesn't appear weak when she mentions, uh, you know, an issue that she has, an emotional problem, where, where a man does. You know, it, it's looked it, it's looked as as a sign of weakness. I think we look at ourselves to be weak when that happens, and I don't know that we necessarily look at our male friends as being weak because of that. But I think you're you're scared as an individual that your male friends will feel that way. Yeah, well, just the fact that you even have to doubt it or think about it with your, you know with some of your best buddies, is an indication that, that the male culture, for all of its strengths, has some significant weaknesses. You know, it's, it's, funny, it's funny that you mentioned that, Squirrel, too, that, you know, mm-hmm. about that stereotype. And we, we could admit that now when Artifact said that, too, that, you know, he wouldn't have any problems coming to any one of us about, you know, a specific personal problem that he might have. Yet, I could probably guarantee you that neither one of us would ever go to each other if we had a uh, a specific problem or a personal problem that was bugging us. And, you know, it, it kind of sucks when you think about it, but that's mm-hmm. my, in my personal opinion, I don't think that that would ever happen. Yeah, I'm not one to, like, gossip or, or, or no. want to try and, not gossip, I guess, if it's about yourself, but um, try and uh, create drama or, or, or maybe even, in my mind, inconvenience someone else with my problems, you sure. know? It's like that's why I got married. <laughs> I can bounce, <laughs> can bounce those off somebody else. That's kind of like the other stereotype, do artifact is you know the gossip is usually part of you know is with women you know and yeah. men usually don't gossip and that's the and that's the stereotype there is men don't <laughs> gossip but women do. You know, actually, Adam, you just that right there. You just said for me, you hit the nail on the head right there. Is I whenever I'm having a problem, I look at my problems as an inconvenience for everybody else and that's the main that is the majority of the reason i don't bring things up is because i do not want to be a nuisance to anyone ever i don't ever want to put someone in a position where they feel like they need to help me and that that for me that is my main thing is i i would i hate to feel uh helpless even if it's i shouldn't be feeling helpless but that actually has more to do with anything is the inconvenience part Oh, I yeah, same the, here. like huge major part of it. And I don't well, know if women feel that or not. I don't know, obviously. I'm not a woman, so I don't know. Any thoughts on that, well, Jack? Sure. So so there again, it's it's that's a, a, a good aspect of male culture is that you like to take care of your problems by yourself. You don't want to be a burden. You don't want to drag other people into your situations. It, the idea of uh, personal responsibility is a very wonderful thing. And it's a very strong part of male culture, and I'm glad it is. But again, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And when you have a problem that you really can't take care of by yourself, or you have a problem that you would just really feel like you would benefit from sharing with somebody else to get their perspective and to get some encouragement, just to get some acceptance, some love, some sympathy, some empathy, refusing to do that because... You don't want to be a burden to them. 
is taking a good part of male culture to an extreme that becomes bad. I mean, this is why I believe we have men committing suicide much more often than women do. Men are much more likely to be alcoholics and uh, drug addicted. Uh, men are much more likely to be estranged for children than women are. So it's a good thing taken to a bad place. No, and that power shift, honestly, I mean, I talk, we, we've talked about, I don't know if we've ever talked about this here, but I think everyone's talked about it once in a while, how there's no female serial killers. It seems like it's only guys. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, I don't even mean it to, to be funny. <laughs> even though it kind of is, but um, it seems like pretty much serial killers are dudes. They're white males for the most part. Yes, yes, the people who supposedly have it all. Yeah, that's, yeah, and if... If, if the statistics are still correct, there is more women than men in the world. So you'd think that maybe it would be the opposite, but it, it appears to not be like that. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine named uh, Fred Hayward. Josh, you might remember this from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell the Oprah Winfrey story. Yeah, oh, remember absolutely. Yeah. No, please tell it again, though. That, I mean, that was right. a very intriguing part of the book. Okay. Or, or would you like to try to count it? No, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go with it. I, it's your book. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you can probably do a better job than me. All right. There's a man named Fred Hayward who was a very, very wonderfully brilliant mm-hmm. uh, advocate and spokesperson for the importance of uh, men's issues. He runs an organization called Men's Rights Inc. And back in, I think it was the early '80s, he was doing um, a lot of TV and radio, and he was doing the Group W TV station circuit. Group W was owned by Westinghouse, a lot of TV stations owned by Westinghouse along the East Coast. Um, in Baltimore, there was a Group W station, mm-hmm. WJZ-TV. They had a show called People Are Talking. And the host of that show, or the co-host of that show, was Oprah Winfrey. Before she went to Chicago and national fame, she was a pretty mm-hmm. big deal in Baltimore. And Fred was doing the Group W circuit. Did Pittsburgh, fine. I think he did Boston, fine. Got to Baltimore. And Oprah started the show by saying, okay, we're going to talk about men's issues today. This, of course, is not verbatim. Mm -hmm. This is a paraphrase. We're going to talk about men's issues today, which is fine. But let's, let's just be clear about one thing right up front. Although men's issues might be interesting to talk about, they really don't have much social significance. Well... Fred Hayward is not about to say that his wife's work has no social significance. <laughs> and so he, he declined to accept that, that uh, ground rule. Oprah insisted, he? Fred resisted, Oprah insisted, Fred resisted until finally Fred said, all right, look, Oprah, proportional to the population, there are eight times as many blacks in jail as whites. What does that tell you? And she said, well, that tells me that blacks are under more social and economic pressure than whites are. And Fred said, good. Proportional to the population, there are 18 times as many men in jail as women. What does that tell you? <laughs> well, what, what it told Oprah was to cross her arms, turn away from Fred, and refuse to continue the interview. The producer had to uh, break to a commercial come over to Fred and say, Fred, I'm sorry, she's not going to continue the interview. You have to leave. They came back from, Fred left. They came back from the commercial, and they filled the rest of times, the rest of Fred's uh, allotted time with the 
critical significance of recipes. They went to a cooking segment. <laughs> so maybe one of the reasons that we have more male, especially white male serial killers, uh, than females is because men don't have it all. And men live under some significant pressures without the kinds of social supports that they need. And there is lots of pathology that springs up from that. One, one thing I found, uh, Jack, when I was, you know, first, uh, when I first opened up this book, I was telling a lot of people about it around, is that when I was reading it, I don't think anyone would object to what you had to say in the book as, you know, horribly radical by, by any stretch of the means of the imagination. But at the same time, it seemed like women were fairly unreceptive to the entire idea of this book. So it's almost like getting them to read it is, you know, is is the difficult part. Once people read it, they don't seem to really have much of a difficulty with this. Is that something you face so far in, uh, in the entire rebellion? Well, I, I, I have to mention again, I have a very small sample. Not a lot of people have read this book. Um, I would say that men also have um, a lot of reasons to resist the ideas in this book because it asks them to stand up and say, excuse me, I have some things that I need to say as well. I have some needs that I need to have considered as well. I have some feelings that I haven't really expressed very well as well. Um, it's risky, especially when the, the women who have at least gained preeminence in the media are women who have gotten there because they tend to um, the view that the media is receptive to hearing, and that is that sexism against women is a horrible thing, as it is, but sexism only goes one way. And the first book I wrote was Goodwill Toward Men. It was a book of interviews with 22 women who were ready, willing, and able to talk about not just women's disadvantages as women, but women's advantages as women. And they were ready, willing, and able to talk not just about men's advantages as men, but men's disadvantages as men. There are women who are willing to talk about it. They are not. They are not the people who are who are on the soapboxes. They aren't the people on the microphones. They aren't the people in front of the cameras. They aren't the people who are getting published. Mm -hmm. um, when I invited the women to be in this book, the response I got was, "Thank God you're doing this." Hmm. There are plenty of women, plenty of women who know that what's going on is wrong. But the, um, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, is not at all friendly to the idea that the uh, supposed white male oppressor, and it's, it's not just white males, the, the male oppressor, that masculinity, um, the supposed uh, scourge of history, uh, really is a pretty good force in many ways and also suffers some problems of its own. It's just not something that the zeitgeist is entertaining. Although, I should say that people are beginning to look at what's going on with boys, and they're mm -hmm. seeing that something's up with them. And there are people who are trying to say, oh, no, that's only minority boys. Oh, it's only poor boys. That's only Latino boys. It's only black mm -hmm. boys. No, the answer is it's all boys. And slowly but surely, the society is coming to the point of 
uh, at least investigating what is going on with, with young males. You, you are right, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry? Is there some sort of ruckus going on right here at? Uh, no, I am, I am uh, sitting in front of Union Station in Washington, D.C., uh, and fire trucks just went by. Okay, I, was, I just want to make sure you weren't in an accident. <laughs> You're leading a high-speed yeah, chase, I'm, maybe. I'm good. Hey, okay, if I was okay. in an accident, I, I wouldn't tell you because I wouldn't want to be a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> we were making sure it wasn't a mob of women being arrested or something for uh, trying to attack you. <laughs> um, Jack, do you find at all that you have trouble possibly getting this rebellion off the ground just because men are so less likely to read a self-help book than a woman is? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Uh, if I could have gotten this into a video game, you know, it would have. It might have. It might have. Well, it certainly would have. And I don't mean that at all to disparage video games, because I think video games do some really good things in terms of uh, developing problem-solving skills and, and determination and creativity. Um, but I, I, I don't know software programming, and so I don't really know how to do it in any way other than a book and, and the radio show that I did. Um, you know, reaching young boys is something that I researched uh, as I was writing this book, and and the marketers really are sort of scratching their heads. You know, how do you reach how do you reach young boys? It's a it's a conundrum. Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit here, uh, um, Jack. I you know mentioned mentioned to you earlier that um, I'm a single dad or divorced dad. Um, and I, do you have any thoughts on the you know pretty obvious? I don't know how it is in your particular state, but it's. It can be pretty bad here in uh, here in Michigan, but do you have any thoughts on the double standards in regards to uh, family law, divorce law, child support laws, things of that nature? Yes, I do. I used to be the executive director of an organization called the National Congress for Men. Now, I've, I've never been married. I'm not divorced. But this was an organization of, of divorced fathers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the stereotype of divorced fathers is the the angry guy. Mm-hmm. who storms around and, and curses judges and curses his ex-wife and is mad at the world. Well, we had a conference out in Denver the year, one of the years that I was executive director, and I knew that because these fathers are men, the emotion that they got to express as men was primarily anger, mm-hmm. right? Because that's a good, solid, scary, masculine emotion to express. Nobody's going to think you're a wuss if you jump in somebody's face and shake their fist, your fist at them, right? That's, that's a good, solid, masculine emotion. Exactly. But I, knew, but I knew that that's not what was motivating these guys. And so I invited a fr- friend of mine named Gordon Clay, who does some good men's work out in California, to come to this conference and to stage a workshop with these men. And within, I don't know, six minutes, he had these angry guys talking from the depths of their heart and soul, not about their anger, but about the pain and sadness mm-hmm. and frustration they felt over the double standard that they that they felt was being were being applied to them. Uh, I, I think it's getting better, but it is still very, very deeply entrenched in our culture that. Women are just more loving, 
and sweet and kind and patient and nurturing, and women do just are better parents than men are. You know, it's Mother's Day. <laughs> and it's changing, but on the other hand, there are also people who are trying to prevent it from changing. And I can't prove this, but I believe it very deeply to be true, that many, not most, not all, certainly, many of the people who are involved zealously in the domestic violence movement Mm -hmm. are there because they believe that portraying men as inherently violent and portraying masculinity as inherently controlling and unfair to women is a good way to keep men um, disadvantaged and second class when it comes to deciding what's going to happen to the children if the father and mother split up. It is a very sad, very sad thing to have to say, but I believe it to be true, and I, I think most people who are honest about the situation, if you know it well, will acknowledge that I don't know if it's the majority, I don't know if it's many, I don't know if it's most, but I know that there is not an insignificant number of, of women who, at divorce time, will allege domestic violence mm-hmm. as a way of disadvantaging the father in uh, the divorce proceedings. Because in many states, all she has to do is say to the judge, I am afraid of him, or I am in fear of him. No judge is going to want to risk being picketed by uh, women's groups should anything happen to the, to the woman. They're not going to take a chance, and they're going to say, okay, he's out of the house for at least two weeks, and then we'll have another hearing. So, boom, he's out of the house. He doesn't get to see the kids. He's got to continue maintaining the uh, payments for the, uh, for the marital house. Got to go set up an apartment somewhere, and at the same time try to fight a divorce proceeding. Doesn't get to see the kids. And then, after the two weeks is up, uh, a more permanent order is often granted with very little evidence, keeping him out of the house for six months so that he doesn't get to see his kids and the kids become estranged from him. It's a terrible disadvantage when you're trying to get custody of your kids to be alleged to be a domestic abuser. Um, That's a bad thing, and it needs to stop. And it's very much like what racists used to do 40 and 50 years ago when they wanted to make sure that blacks didn't get hot, get to live in their neighborhoods, they would, pro- they would propagate and, and emphasize and exaggerate the stereotype of the, the violent black person. We can't have black people living in our neighborhood because we all know how black people are. Tapping into a racist stereotype to justify um, a racist uh, and selfish inclination. Similarly, uh, women who believe that they have a God-given right to maternal supremacy can protect that maternal supremacy by um, trashing fatherhood, masculinity, and maleness with, uh, with specious allegations of domestic violence that the zeitgeist is all too ready to hear. Well, and this... Oh, I'm sorry. Especially Go because there, especially because there are millions upon millions of dollars that pour out of Washington D.C. into the states for quote unquote training of judges and law enforcement officers 
uh, on how to handle domestic violence situations. And often what they are trained in is always believe the woman. And if you suspect that there might be mutual combat between the man and the woman or no combat at all, believe the woman. It's a, it's a horrible thing. And we need to address it. Which takes us to the question of how do we go about making a change? Well, it would be really good if in your circle of friends you made a commitment to not ignore these situations, not to pretend that they're not significant, not to pretend that they, they um, only happen to people that they should happen to, made a commitment that if you know of a woman who is treating a man unfairly, you will let her know that you think she is treating her man unfairly, that we change the social expectations, we exert some positive peer pressure uh, around the issues of uh, gender bias against men. And if men start to and fair-minded women get together and change the expectations of what's right and what's wrong. That's that's the way to to, to change the zeitgeist. You know, uh, uh, back, back to the uh, back to some of the child support issues, uh, um, Jack. This uh, you know this kind of hit home with me. This hasn't happened to me necessarily. Uh, or, you know, it has not happened to me, but, you know, you talked about how men are expected to, uh, you know, th- their role in raising the family is a monetary one, is a financial one. And here in Michigan, uh, a law that I, I object to is if a man falls behind on his child support, he actually can have social services called on him and he can be considered, that that actually can be considered child abuse because he didn't financially support his family in the way that the you know the government has decided you know is necessary and the basically fairly arbitrary amount of money that you know a, a judge chose you know where I, I could you ever see that happening to a woman I, I don't I don't I don't think it would but any thoughts on no. uh, those type of issues no I think it's it's um it's indicative of the blame the man mentality. If there is a problem between men and women in our culture, in the current zeitgeist, blame the man. It must be the man's fault. Men are no good. Men don't really care about their kids. Um, I think it is a manifestation of the deep-seated desire that some aspects of our, some segments of our society have to maintain maternal supremacy. That's a good point. Very good. Um, we were, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned at the end of your book is um, the, uh, you know, you, you tell people to go out there and spread the, re- you know, the uh, rebellion. You, um, you, one of the suggestions you give is to uh, put together a stand-up comedy act or, you know, something along those lines. Um, yeah. We were just wondering, we were actually talking uh, right before the show started. Have you ever, he's pretty dirty, but actually our show tends to get a little dirty on occasion too. But um, have you ever heard of the uh, comedian uh, Bill Burt at all? Burr. Bill, I ha- Bill Burr, I have I'm not. sorry. Uh, Bill Burr is a comedian that kind of talks a lot about uh, some of these issues uh, that uh, I was hoping maybe you uh, had heard some of his stuff. You you would probably appreciate it, even though it's he goes a little over the top at times, but I think you would definitely appreciate some of uh 
Bill Burr's. Uh, uh, I have I, I haven't heard of any. Can you can you give me one of his uh, little bits? Uh, artifact. You're probably uh, best to handle that one. Uh, he, he's. It's actually kind of funny because he's a he's a white. Um, he's like a white Irishman from Boston, but he's uh, engaged to a black woman in real life, and so he goes into a lot of these these bits on almost exactly what you're talking about, but of course he takes it kind of to the extreme and gives extreme examples of uh, how come if I do the exact same thing as a woman, then you know I, it, it's not uh, I don't know. Makes you a fag, as he says. <laughs> yeah, that's one of his bits. It's like, uh, one of his bits is about uh, wanting to carve a pumpkin. And he really wanted to get a pumpkin, but he knew his buddies would make fun of him profusely. So he purposely brought his girlfriend to the grocery store so she would see the pumpkins, and then they could pick out a pumpkin, and then he would have his, he could carve one. <laughs> in essence, he talks about how every man lives in constant fear of his buddies calling him a fag, is basically what... Uh, what uh-huh. what the bit is about? Yeah, yeah, that's that's good, and that that points to the, the fact that uh, we as men are often some of the most uh, ruthless enforcers of our own limitations. Yeah, and uh, and and that would be that would be a good thing to adopt as one of your expectations of each other is that you're not gonna you're not gonna allow each other to be limited. Um, away from something that you might really want to do simply because somebody might think something funny about it? Well, when would you, know, you, that, that you... That you support each other in being who you want to be, even if it doesn't fit into the nice little man box. And wouldn't you agree? I mean, basically, I, I, th- I think you will, but unlike uh, the, the women's movement, which obviously there was some opposition from some females, but would you not say that the main opposition for this is men? Well, I would say that it's certainly very powerful. And, and here's... And it's, it's, a, it's a good question, and it, it raises questions of how does all of this work? And as I mentioned in, in Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion, there was a, a survey in Parade Magazine. It wasn't a scientifically randomized sample. But Marilyn both savant asked women uh, and men, should your daughters be allowed to stay home um, if they wish when they grow up? Uh, a, uh, a great majority of stay women... Stay home with the children you're referring to? I'm sorry? Stay home with the children as a, as yeah, a housewife stay, yeah, stay you're Yes, yeah, stay home with the children if, if, uh, if they want. A great majority of the women and a great majority of the men, the mothers and the fathers, both said, yeah, my daughter, when she grows up, should be allowed to stay home with the kids if that's what she wants. When asked the same question about, well, should your son be allowed for the same thing? Actually, minorities of both men and women, fathers and mothers, said, yeah, we should allow the same thing for for our son. But there were more women who said, yeah, he should be allowed than there were men. More One mother said, yes, we should grant that option to our sons than fathers were willing to grant that option. To the sons, and I don't know exactly why that is, but I suspect it is because well, there's probably two things. One is if it's bad enough for me, it's bad enough for you, right? Mm-hmm. If if that's the way my life was, well, I'm okay, and so I don't want you turning your back on the way I live my life because that might me might force me to think about 
things that I've missed in, in my life that I might have liked to have had. But secondly, I think that fathers want to protect their sons from having unhappy lives. And they know that there are not a lot of women out there who are going to find such a man attractive. I know that I, as a matter of fact, I think this woman was from Michigan. There was a, a woman I met in Baltimore who I was very attracted to. And um, we were just sort of strolling around one day, and she proceeded to tell me about her maternal instinct. And I acknowledged that, got that, and then I told her about my paternal instinct mm-hmm. and how I really would like to be a fully invested father. And that I wouldn't mind at all if I had the opportunity to stay home and raise kids. I think that might be a lot of good fun, at least for a few years. That's the last I ever saw her. The very, very last. The very I, last. I, I've expressed uh, the same thoughts in the past myself, actually, Jack. I, 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 I have two children, and I've uh, said that to people in the past, and they typically look at me like I'm insane for even suggesting yeah. that or it, it's kind of I've, uh, I've I've mentioned in the past I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this you've basically kind of talked about this a little bit already but uh, the the term to call somebody a loser is something that uh, you rarely hear a woman called a loser you typically mm-hmm. you typically will hear a man called a loser because he's not working not making enough money not uh, maybe mm-hmm. he's you know maybe he's still living at home with his parents when he's in his mid-20s or, or something along those lines where you typically you wouldn't call a woman a loser for that reason. In fact, I mean, there's not many reasons why you'd really call a woman a loser. There might be other mm-hmm. negative names you might call a woman, but a loser isn't typically one of them. Mm-hmm. So, so you're asking, what do I think of that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. Well, I, I, think, I think what it points to is that men are always feeling like they're competing. They're always feeling like they're being scored. They're always performing. It's not, you know, it's not a great formula for a, a nice, relaxing life. And so when we relax, we go get real drunk. <laughs> That's true. Which 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 can which can be a problem. So yeah, we're we're we're, we're of course the the uh, the people who don't want to hear what we have to say will point to the men at the top of the heap, point to the Fortune 500 CEOs, and they'll point to the Congress and they'll point to the president. Those are our winners, but. You know, those, those guys are pretty few and far between, and there are lots of guys at the bottom of the heap who are trying to struggle towards the top. So, yeah, we're called losers because we're always playing. We're always having score kept on us. Right, exactly. Like no, you said, no, we're... Not always, but, it, but it's certainly something that we obsess about, we think about. We, we want to be, we want to win approval, not just of women, but from our buddies, too. Right. We're we're expected to be in that role of like you said, like we were talking about, uh, the one with the career, the one. I mean, do you, who makes the most money? Who, um, who, I don't know, drives, lives in the biggest house. <laughs> you know, it's um, yeah, and it's all measured. It's and if a family falls on hard times, it's 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 what what did the guy do wrong? You know, you're not supporting your family enough. So yeah, and and it's certainly true that there are plenty of women who are out there working real hard and uh, doing their best to bring home the bacon. And there are situations in which women are earning more than men, especially uh, after this, what some people are calling the man session, where um, many, uh, ocup- many male occupations were, were, were hit really hard. But if, a, if the family falls on hard times, and there's a, 
husband and a wife in the family, it's typically the man who is going to feel more of a sense of failure than the woman is. The woman's going to feel regret and sadness and stress and strain, and it's going to be horrible, but she isn't going to feel like she's a loser. She isn't going to feel like a failure. And, you know, we see, we see suicide as a result of this. We see a lot of male suicide as a result of this. I am unlovable. I am unworthy. I am no good. I am nothing. I am disposable. I have nothing to offer my, my family other than the money I provide. It's a sad, sad thing. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Jack, and that's, we, uh, we do have to break for commercial here, but uh, before we uh, close up, is there any, any other thoughts you want to, um, I don't mean to cut you off, is there any more thoughts uh, you want to share with us? Well, it, we're going to come back after the commercial. There is one idea on, on my mind now. I we we can sure postpone the commercial <laughs> if we need to. So I just take take as much time as you need and just uh, uh, what, what other thoughts okay. do you have on these issues? Okay. Um, the idea of a man staying home with his children. Mm-hmm. Um, when when 50, 30, 40, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, when women started getting into the corporate world, Many women thought that the way that they had to get into the corporate world was to imitate men. And so the, the joke these days is that women would wear very severe business suits and they would wear that floppy scarf or the floppy tie, whatever. I think it's a floppy tie, they call it. Women essentially adopted a female version of the male style of being in business. That's how they started out. Thank God they're not doing that anymore, because female culture has added some really good things to corporate life. Corporate life these days, compared to how it was 30, 40, 50 years ago, is much less hierarchical. It's much more concerned about work-life balance. It's much more concerned about flex time. It's much more concerned about partnerships and lateral management rather than hierarchical top-down management. It's much more based on consensus and teamwork than it used to be. Now, I've had friends tell me that's because of the influence of Japan. Maybe. I think it's also largely the influence of some good aspects of female culture. And so female culture has helped what was formerly a male province, the corporate world. When we think of men being full-time parents, if we think of a female version, or if we think of a male version of a mother, we're making mistake. If we think of a man wearing an apron and pushing uh, a, a little baby carriage and doing the same things that women do as, as mothers, we're making the same mistake. What we need to open up our, our eyes and our minds to is that men can do for the important business of parenting what women did for the important business of, of corporate life, and that is that men can bring some really important and good aspects of male culture into raising children. And some of those aspects of male culture that I think parenting is sorely in need of these days is firmness, a fair sense of discipline, clear expectations, consequences for bad behavior, and tell all and kids, you're, gonna, you're not going to do what you want to do because I'm not going to let you. And that's something that kids without fathers 
desperately, desperately can be in need of. And so when we think of men spending their time as full-time parents, it's not to be male mothers. It's not to be Mr. Moms. It's to be Mr. Dads. And if we can accept that as a proper adaptation of what men can spend their time doing in a proud and uh, constructive way, I think the whole society would benefit. Uh, yeah, just the uh, the introduction of the father or the reintroduction of the of the father in a, in a firmer role, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you know, if fathers were allowed to, if fathers were able to take control of parenting, you know, we would have uh, we would have five-year-old uh, frisbee contests. You know, we would have, we would do things differently than the way mothers do them. Not to say that mothers don't do it fine, but men would do it differently. You know, fathers would have their kids jumping out of trees into their arms. <laughs> it would be a different experience, and kids could benefit from that. I think there is a, a very sore need in our culture of positive male energy. Uh, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Allowing allowing fathers a larger role in parenting could help uh, help address that. Do you find that outside the Blue Sky Rebellion that uh, male roles in society are heading in the right direction? I mean, slowly, I mean, I know it would be a slow thing, and you always need a, a revolution or rebellion to push something over the top, but do you think it's slowly but surely heading in the right direction, or do you think it's slowly but surely getting worse? I think it's slowly heading in the right direction, but I think that just a few, uh, a few yards up ahead of where we're heading, there are people who are very busy at work erecting uh, brick walls. Mm -hmm. And they don't want it to go into a, a place of, of full uh, equality. Uh, and by, by that I mean the people who, um, who believe in maternal supremacy and the people who uh, want a man be, to be thrown out of his house on the simple say-so of a woman. Um, people who, who want us to believe that men are not as loving, kind, caring, gentle, sweet as women are, in a different way perhaps, but every bit is good. So yeah, I think it's heading in the direction, but uh, we got to get our act together to keep going, because there are people who don't want us to go there. Uh, hey Jack, we want people to be able to find uh, as much information about this as they can, so I, if you could just uh, plug every possible uh website or uh, venue at which uh, someone can find more information about this? Do you mind doing that for us here? Oh, boy. Let's see. Um, well, actually, there is a very interesting um, effort underway right now to have President Obama establish um, a council to look at these issues. Shortly after he was inaugurated back in 2009, he established a White House Council on Women and Girls. Uh, it was not lost on some of us that he did not establish a White House Council on Men and Boys. And so a few of us um, have been meeting by phone over the past 30 years, uh, over the past two years, to uh, put together a proposal for the president to establish a White House Council on Boys to Men. And that's a pretty good document. That proposal was a pretty good document. And you can find that at White House uh, Boys. Boy, how it's whitehouseboystomen.com. Okay. Whitehouseboystomen.com. And where can they and find you? Oh, I'm sorry. And if, and if that's not the right URL, 
I will let you know, and you can let your, your listeners <laughs> we, know. And we will. It, what, um, can you throw out a URL for us for uh, you know forums for the Blue Sky Rebellion? Oh, well, um, I have a very kludgy website that I designed myself. It's blue, blueskyrebellion.com. And can they order the book from that website as well? Yes, or they can just go onto Amazon. Okay. And uh, any other uh, ideas or uh, websites you want to plug before uh, we uh, wrap the show up? Okay, so we're wrapping it up. Okay, Um, let's see. There's a good organization called NCFM, stands for National Coalition of Free Men. N like Nancy, C like Charlie, F like Frank, M like Mike, nationalcoalitionoffreemen.org. They do a pretty good job um, talking about the full range of issues. Um... There are lots of resources listed at WhiteHouseBoysToMen.com as well. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Jack. And anything else you want to say? We're uh, we gotta um, wrap this up, but we really appreciate you coming on the show, man. We're gonna do everything no, I- we can to uh, help with the Blue Sky Rebellion, and uh, we really appreciate uh, your thoughts and words and uh, everything you've done for us so far. Well, I really appreciate being on your show, and, and I have to say it was a lot less gross and rowdy than I expected. <laughs> well, listen to some past episodes. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. We really appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work, man. Thank you. Take care. Take you care, too. Jeff. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. That was Jack Cameron, author of Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion. We're running a little short on time, so we're actually going to push uh, Chrisini and the comic book panel back to uh, 10.05 on the uh, Grouty after the show. But uh, for now, we're going to break for a commercial, and uh, we'll be back after this. There once was a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry? Why weren't you in Professor Dinky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Well, I'm taking Algebra 2 in a foreign language. Oh, so you can talk to unicorns? <laughs> uh, exactly. Unless they're French. Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find the classes he really needed. Getting into college doesn't happen magically. Learn more at knowhowtogo.org. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college, but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. But what's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to living united, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night, I was at a bar. One night, I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. 
Thank goodness I took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. This is Adam Hernandez with the Majors update. Finally, the NFL is getting back to football. Five days after a federal judge declared the lockout was illegal and nearly seven weeks after it began, the NFL said it's play- said players can talk with coaches, work at a team headquarters, and look at their playbooks. The NFL said all of... Of that can begin Friday when it is also expected to release detailed guidelines for free agency, trades, and other roster moves in the absence of a collective bargaining agreement. And speaking of the NFL, as expected, quarterback Cam Newton went first overall to the Carolina Panthers. And rounding out the top five, we saw Von Miller, linebacker of Texas A&M, go to the Broncos. Marcel Darius, defensive tackle from Alabama, go to the Bills. A.J. Green, wide receiver, Georgia, go to the Bengals. And Patrick Peterson, defensive back of LSU, going to the Cardinals. In college football news, a newspaper reports that Ohio State football players are alleged to have improperly traded dozens of items to the owner of a tattoo parlor receiving 14000 and in one case, a sport utility vehicle. The report by the Columbus Dispatch says it obtained a letter Thursday that was sent from the U.S. Department of Justice to Ohio State officials in December. The document lists 36 items that players are said to have sold to Eddie Reif or traded for tattoos since 2008. The newspaper reports that investigators say one player received a 2003 Chevy Tahoe purchased by Reif for $3,500 in exchange for a watch and passes to the 2010 Rose Bowl. Only a portion of the transactions were deemed violations by the NCAA, and five players have been suspended for the first five games of the upcoming season. A related NCAA investigation into coach Jim Tressel continues. And the NCAA will re-examine its role in licensing bowls and has put a three-year hold on any new games in the wake of the Fiesta Bowl's problems. The NCAA's Division I Board of Directors on Thursday approved a new task force to look at the criteria and process for licensing bowls. It will not approve any new bowls until updated standards are put into place. Spawned by financial improperties and apparent political improperties by the Fiesta Bowl uncovered in March. The task force will look at the oversight of bowl sponsoring agencies, conflict of interest rules and policies, advertising and title sponsorship standards, along with oversight and reporting of financial management of bowl games. For more information, go ahead and check out themajors.net. In the meantime, we'll get back to Grouty Radio. I am Adam Hernandez. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back Yo. here on Season 7, Episode 18 of Detroit Rowdy Radio. Weenus, 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 weenus. Get out of your system. Yeah, weenus. Yeah. It's okay. Sorry, penis balls. It's okay. Dirty balls. 
Crabby pussy. Sorry. All right, we did a serious interview in Artifact. Just needed to throw yeah, out some, just, it was some, bottling. some dirt it was like, for you. It was stockpiling. It gets there. all clogged in it there. Does, you got to yeah. let it out. You need to western grip your language barrier. You know? <laughs> I did. <laughs> hey, a few things we ought to throw out there. Um, uh, you know, some of some of our uh, some of our local fair, some of the um, some of our good friends here in Detroit, Grady Radio. You want to plug a quick show? Uh, the Infatuations, who have oh, cool. been on uh, been on the show quite a few times, they're playing a show uh, here in the Detroit area at the Magic Bag in Ferndale, Friday, May sixth at eight p.m. Very cool venue for anyone who hasn't been to uh, to the Magic Bag. They'll be playing with uh, Citizen Sweet. Zero, Daniel Bloom, and Chris Polite. Uh, should be a really cool show. That dude's nice. If uh... <laughs> <laughs> and Bloom's career is just oh, it's really taken off. You yeah, know. It's, He's God. a budding musician. You, you guys are, <laughs> you, you guys are obsessed with that. You guys are, you guys are infatuated yeah, with that. We are. <laughs> also, uh, check out uh, Ty Stone's uh, newest uh, newest song, American Style. Kind of got a bit of a, a country uh, country uh, style. Ty to Stone it. rocks. Yeah, Ty Stone really does rock. So, uh, so uh, the infatuations asked me to please have all the grouty listeners uh, call. Uh, 313-298-1999. That's uh, WYCD Country Station. Request American Style. Cool. New song they're trying out, which uh, is very cool. With that. Definitely uh, definitely check that out. So we We'd rather you call them and keep requesting it, but don't listen to that station. Just listen to Detroit Cardi yeah, Radio. Just listen to this and call them and ask for that. As soon as our yeah. serious deal is finalized. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once we take over for Howard Stern, uh, any minute now, any day now. But it was yeah. when that when when Satellite Radio goes bankrupt. Right before that happens, we'll be on. So yeah, I don't know. Joe Rogan started a podcast <laughs> a year ago, and he's going to get on serious. <laughs> so they're putting his po- some of his podcasts up on serious. Awesome, it's beautiful. So it's possible the dream can happen. Yeah, it helps if you have a name first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wish we would have been on news radio or something like that. You know, yeah. or just that's shoot a- me at least. <laughs> <laughs> The Man Show. <laughs> hey, that wasn't his fault, goddammit. Hey, The Man Show was badass, man. Until oh, he got there. Until he left. No, I was. Oh no, I was actually referring to other podcasts that are popular now, like Adam Carolla and stuff like yeah. that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah kind of switch gears. Rogan stint on want, The Man Show. Yeah, no, well, no. if you want to see a conflict of those two, the current Joe Rogan podcast, Adam Carolla is his guest. Oh, dude, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Carolla's been making the rounds. He's trying trying to get on everything right yeah, now. Bill Burr's been making the rounds, too. Yep. He's, he's, as he says on each show, whoring himself out to the <laughs> internet world. <laughs> Good. He's like, I figure it's, you know, everyone's doing this internet thing. It's probably, he's like yeah. 43 it's or about 42. <laughs> <laughs> he's like... Good stuff. I think Rogan made him a Twitter account when he did Rogan's show. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, much much like us a little bit. We're all on. Uh, I mean, we're on a total of about six or seven podcasts now, at least. Well, no, all these majors ones. Adam, how many podcasts are you on now? Is it just one a day you produce here? Lost count. Plus, there's the one-man porno cast, which is unpublished. Right Ooh, now. Yeah, that's, well, that's, it's just on chat roulette. It's not unpublished, <laughs> just no one has dared to watch it. That's true. Not even Adam. I He's blindfolded. I watched recording. it once. Oh, I didn't watch I listened to the audio. Oh, that's better. That's what gets it's a better way to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so at the end when it's just like, oh, puddle. <laughs> puddle so <crew>. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to say that uh, the Lions, since we have a lot of Detroit listeners, selected uh, Nick Farley. Fairly. Whatever. There's an I in the name. Chris Farley. Chris Farley. That team's going to be a in a van. 
down by the river. Uh, defensive tackle from Auburn. So um, I don't know. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what happens here in the later rounds. Hopefully they can uh, get a defensive back in the second round. Other than that. Um, it looks like I'm going to go ahead and carry the show right yes, now indeed. since there's a heated debate. We're discussing. Talk about some sports for a minute. We're Let's talk amongst uh, yourselves. Right. Well, I'll give you a topic. Um, Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. Discuss. The peanut is neither a pea nor a nut. Discuss. Also, we've got, uh, again, too, um, some interesting news coming out of the NFL. There was, uh, it seems like the NFL, I'm not sure what to make of this because it seemed like the other day that th- the NFL was pretty adamant about canceling or you know appealing what a judge when the judge pretty much overturned the uh, lockout and lifted the lockout the other day um it appears now that the nfl is going to uh, go ahead and outline some free agency guidelines trades and other roster moves by this coming friday as well as having players this is uh, like the, one of the most confusing situations. It is. Because it was like they said they can report back, and, but then no one did because they didn't know if it was going to stick, and a lot of people don't live local. I was, this is what I was reading a on, lot the, of, on a the Majors lot Facebook page if anyone isn't following. A lot of people were, um, because I know the Lions, their their player representative, Kyle Vandenbosch, said that he was telling players not to go, um, partly because of they just didn't know the whole parameters of everything. But Charlie Batch, who is, I think he's the one of the player reps for Pittsburgh and also one of the main uh, guys who was, I know he was a big part of the, the Players Association. He reported to camp, like him and one other guy. So I think just someone I think, to play I think catch a, with. I think but. a lot of it too was an image type thing where the players could use it in court later on saying, Hey, look! Um, we yeah, are we made an effort. We're made. We made an effort exactly. That's we're probably trying a good point. To go I was wondering why he's why they reported that he showed up. But I mean, a lot of guys. I mean, don't live in Detroit in the winter, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you make millions of dollars, yeah. I don't know why you would. One thing. One thing teams have to be careful with too. Thousands especially, of dollars. <laughs> hundreds the, of thousands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially the Lions. Um, is is they don't. I mean, like I said, they don't know the guidelines. They don't know the rules of you know this whole thing right now. So who knows? The Lions could have went. And and uh, oh, it looks like we have a caller. So oh, we do. We do. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, bump it up a little bit here. We're gonna run the show a little long. We're gonna do our panel discussion with yeah. uh, Chrisini right now. Kick up the jams. Here we go. What's up, Chris? You're on with Grouties. How's it going, man? Pretty good, guys. How are you? We're awesome, man. We're. Awesome. I got a buck. Says you don't talk as long as the last guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no problem. No, I mean you can go for an hour and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, just, it's a dollar. <laughs> Just playing, dude. What's we'll up, see, dude? I'll, I'll see what I can do. I hate to cut into after the show because that's usually my, we're, best, we're gonna, my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> we're going to bump it around a little bit. Yeah, we actually, we're putting you on the main, we bumped you up so you, we're doing the main show long so you'll, yeah. you, you'll still get podcasted into iTunes World and then we'll still do the after the show where we can talk like fools. Oh, okay. That way you'll get the uh, Blue Sky Rebellion uh, Rebellioneers uh, right, listening because yeah. I'm sure they're, uh, they're comic. Uh, Rebellioneers, is com- that what they're called? That's what I'm calling them. I just, Good didn't call. you hear me? I like it. <laughs> I heard their bases on a small moon <laughs> circling Endor. But it was just a, <laughs> it was just a rumor I yeah. heard. It was way too small. So what what's going on in the world of comics, Chris? Um, Probably the big thing that's going on is mark your calendars because next Saturday is going to be free comic book day. Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, Sweet. just um, go to one of your participating comic retailers. They'll have a bunch of different books available for free for your perusal. I know um, 
DC is going to try to cash in on all the pre-hype for the Green Lantern movie. They're going to be offering a reprint of the first chapter of the Green Lantern Secret Origin story, So, uh, along with a preview for their big event. Flashpoint, so that should be that should be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to uh, grabbing that one. I know, um, I think Marvel is putting out a couple of Thor-based books. The one that I'm really looking forward to is one by Robert Kirkman, who, uh, Robert Kirkman's the guy who created, like, The Walking Dead and Invincible and all that. He's got a pretty cool all-ages book called Super Dinosaur, where it's about, like, this genius kid and his giant uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex who has, like, an Iron Man suit. That's awesome. That sounds like the best idea ever wait, created. Wait, wait. Does Seriously. the kid have the Iron Man suit, or does the T-Rex have the Iron Man suit? The T-Rex has the Iron Man suit. Oh, yes! Even better. Yeah, and the oh other God. thing that's surprising is it's it's an all-ages book, so it's something that you could read with your kids. I bought the first issue, I think it was last week. Really, really cool book. I mean, if you like dinosaurs and robots and... I mean, who doesn't? I mean, you might as well be dead if you don't. There to get that book. Yeah, it, it, it was awesome. Some kind it's of communist if you don't like dinosaurs and robots. Seriously. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, it's, and there's more than just that one dinosaur. There's like a whole bunch of different dinosaurs running around doing a whole bunch of other stuff. It's it's a sweet book. It's really worth your time. I mean, you can get the origin of the thing of uh, Super Dinosaur on Free Comic Book Day for free. So you know, there's really. No good reason awesome. not to check out Super Dinosaur. Awesome. So, uh, d- kind of abruptly shifting gears here, have you heard of Axe Cop? And if so, what is your opinion of Axe Cop? Axe Cop is fantastic. <laughs> I have, I love Axe Cop. Um, Axe Cop is, it's, I believe the, it's two brothers. One yes, of them me. is 30 years old, and the other one is 6 years old. 7 now, and yeah. It, yeah, um, it started out as a webcomic somewhere. Um, I was unaware of it until a couple months ago when I went to the comic store and uh, the clerk working there is like, you need to buy this because it's the greatest thing you'll ever, you'll ever read. So I was like, all right, and I checked it out. It, it's phenomenal. It's like, it's like if you ever, you get, a lot of you guys have kids, you've ever watched your kids kind of play with action figures and they're always doing like ridiculous things. That's what this comic book is. Axe Cop decides to become an Axe Cop because he was walking by the, the Axe Cop Police Academy and decided to just walk in and become one, and it's 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 hilarious. It's it's really 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 yeah. good. I know there's a trade of it out, and uh, the monthly series is going to be presenting their final issue within the next couple weeks. It's, I know yeah. there's a three issue miniseries, but I mean, Axe Cop is awesome. I'm, I was going to mention that, <laughs> and I and it kind of slipped my mind because I got all geeked over Super Dinosaur. But yeah. So, you know, another, it's a double feature, cool Super Dinosaur and Axe Cop. So, it's like A-X-E, a- like, yes. like the like axe? His, his arm is an axe, or his oh. hand is an axe, I believe. So, this this these, both these issues we can pick up a, a sample of on Free Comic Book Day? Is that what you're just saying? Just the dinosaur one, not the Oh, axe. just the dinosaur one. Okay. Yeah, just the dinosaur one. Um, no, Axe Cop, is, he's just like a normal guy who carries around yeah, an axe, and his sidekick is named Soldier Dinosaur. <laughs> yes, another fucking dinosaur! <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm, t- I'm telling you, if you like ridiculousness, like Axe Cop is like right up there. The, the, the mini series going on right now is called Axe Cop Bad Guy Earth. <laughs> this sounds so awesome. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's great. It's it's reading a story written by a six-year-old, and it's just like six-year-old logic. It's. I'm going to get the bad guy machine and turn the whole Earth into bad guys and oh. and stuff like that. I know Axe Cop calls people stupid. 
repeatedly. He's like, your powers are stupid. And then I think he chopped them or something. It's, it's hilarious. Goof just pulled up a picture for us here. It's of Axe Cop. <laughs> it's, he's holding a baby with a unicorn horn on his head. And the cop. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty easy. So basically, the moral of the comic book panel this month is superheroes are old and busted, and dinosaurs are the new hotness. Yes. I, I hope so, because dinosaurs are pretty... That was one of the... Yeah, the, that's right. X-Cop fought a magical unicorn, and he just put a cone over the unicorn's horn, and that canceled out the unicorn's magical powers. That's all you gotta do is cover it up? He's a horn anymore. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Who knew? This is awesome. This is... Man, this is an yeah. education. This, I mean, this is great. I had no idea how to take away a unicorn's powers before. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely something that Wiggles would like. <laughs> if you, if you also, if you go to the Axe Cop website, he has a feature called Axe Ask or Ask Axe Cop, where he's just <laughs> responding to viewer qu- or reader questions, and it yeah, looks it, awesome. It is awesome. It, it's real. I mean, it's really good stuff. I mean, it was something that was pushed on me. I'm like. Ah, six-year-old writing a comic, that sounds kind of stupid, but no, it's it's hilarious. It's well worth your time. So it literally it's is a six-year-old writing, yeah. It's a yeah. six-year-old and his 30-year-old brother. His, his drawing, 30-year-old yeah. brother kind of, the brother, I like, edits it, and he also draws it, you know, because he's, I'm sure he he's tweets not a it child. to make a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, a six-year-old child, child comes up with most of this book. <laughs> That's why God. the dialogue is like... You're stupid, chop, and then the, the bad guy gets killed, <laughs> and then right. that's Hold like on, page I'm, two. <laughs> I actually just, uh, yeah, I just pulled out an issue from my collection because, like I said, I've been buying the book, and I'm gonna just flip to it. Uh, Super dinosaur! This is so awesome. Yeah, there's there's another one. He's oh, Webster Webster took out the army and the normal cops using his machine gun arms and fire breath. Everybody run! They have a dinosaur. Real cops don't have dinosaurs. It's and there's there's like a bunch of cops getting killed by a Tyrannosaurus Rex that breathes fire and has chain gun machine guns for arms. <laughs> this sounds awesome. That's wicked. Yep. Right. Little kids have great imagination. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do for sure. Good no, stuff. I know some of the stuff my my two kids say, and they they would make great comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I would read the hell out of that book if if my kids wrote it. So I yeah this this is a this is like an untapped market of what they should have been doing a long time ago. For sure, like if if, if only well, I mean my kids still my kids not even talking yet, so I'm gonna have to follow them around with a tape recorder or something. <laughs> Start making me some cash. <laughs> so so uh, hey anything happening with the future foundation um the future foundation um i guess dr doom is a member i'm not following the future foundation book but i am following it because spider-man is a member of the future foundation so i'm kind of following it through amazing spider-man but um this week's amazing spider-man was pretty sweet it's going to be the future foundation and spider-man against uh the sinister six hell yeah <laughs> Yeah, dude, it was so sweet because it was almost like an episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> that does. Like, that it, sounds it, good. It was like it was Spider Man and like the three remaining Fantastic Four members finding an island and fighting zombie pirates, and then they have Ben Grimm dress up as Blackbeard. It was just it was ridiculous. <laughs> and then they're like, "This seems like an episode of Scooby Doo," and then they unmask. Mysterio and it's the secret six, but yeah, it was it was pretty sweet. The, the, 
the Future Foundation comic, I, I tried it before. It was a little too slow for me. So I kind of, I follow it just kind of seeing what they're saying is going on, but I don't buy it. But, I mean, like I said, it sounds okay, but it's not for me. Amazing Spider-Man, I think, is a little bit better. Well, yeah, it's like Scooby-Doo, so basically Scooby-Doo is better than just about anything. Right. Uh, (laughs) Um, If you're going in, when you go in for free comic book day to get your free comics, if you're looking for, like, uh, trade paperback, which is um, pretty much a whole, like, sliver of a story collected in one book, look for Eric Powell's The Goon. The Goon is awesome. It's awesome. It's It's a gangster who fights zombies. Yeah, <laughs> not pirate zombies, yeah, no. just regular his, zombies. His sidekick has a ha- habit of stabbing people in the face. Oh, yes, and, he, and he screams "knife to the eye" as he stabs them in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh my god, this is awesome! Zombies are becoming so mainstream. It was a category on Jeopardy two nights ago. Are you awesome. serious? Yeah. Well, this right. is before zombies yeah. started getting like really big. Like the Goon is a pretty old book. Right. From so like the before, 40s? Like, all the zombie hotness hit, but. Yeah. No, the goon is hilarious. It's, the goon is awesome. Well, you can't kill zombies; uh, got, they're already dead. Yeah, he fights the zombie priest, yeah. and it's funny. And then there's other ones that are like, uh, kind of. It's not as funny. Like it can go from funny to serious. The, the goon is just a really, well, really well-written book, and uh, Eric Powell is also doing a new Godzilla series from IDW Publishing, which yep. issue two just came out this week. And that was pretty good too. And I'm not a big fan of Godzilla monster movies, but uh, is it like a like, is it Godzilla's point of view finally, where you can like <laughs> talk and stuff like that, or no? No, it's um, it's kind of it's more dealing with like man on the street stuff. Like uh, this in the first issue, there was it started out with these two kids playing on a beach, and Godzilla shows up, and obviously they're trampled by Godzilla. And then uh, issue two. It's not not Gamera. He's not friend to children. He's just going to step on your ass. Issue two was their dad looking for their children, looking for his children. You know, he's all desperate. And then, you know, he sees Godzilla and he he figures out that his kids are dead. So he breaks into like an army surplus van. Does he see the bottom of Godzilla's foot or something? (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. He did. There was one just laying around because, I mean, they're all trying to fight this monster, but he just straps himself up with a bunch of explosives. Runs up to the top of a uh, roof and looks Godzilla in the face and is like, "You killed my children, monster! Now, but now I'll take you on." The guy jumps and blows himself up, and uh, the explosion is just like it's like he flicked Godzilla in the nose and he just like uh, he scratches his nose and then burns down the building. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm I'm guessing it would be very funny for every issue to like be about a different person that trying the, to fight Godzilla. trying to fight Godzilla, and then the last panel was that person dying by Godzilla. It's something like that. Um, the other thing that I know a couple of you guys might uh, appreciate is the president in the book. It's an Obama ripoff. I think his name is O. I forget what his name is, but it's it's, not Osama, I mean, the guy's is kind it? of a Democrat. You can tell he's pro Obama. Uh, the first issue is nothing but the Obama character going like, "What the fuck are we supposed to do now?" Like, because <laughs> that's what everybody says when Godzilla shows up. They're like, "How the fuck are we supposed to deal with this?" And then they're like, "Like literally, like like you'd be freaking out." It was, it was pretty funny. Say, yeah, sometimes they just say Godzilla, Godzilla. Oh no, it's Godzilla, and then they run. Yeah, but... yeah, it was like that. Then there was this one senator. He's like, "Hey, was the Texas uh, governor?" I'm sorry. 
he built a giant steel wall to keep out another one of the monsters who I forget right now. And then he's like, that damn president, he ain't doing nothing to help us out. And, you know, so I built the wall on myself. And then, of course, the wall gets destroyed. And the guy's like, the president should have helped us. He didn't give us good enough materials to build a solid wall. It gets a little bit political at sometimes. That kind of ruins the book a little bit. But other than that, I mean, Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chris. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, sorry for uh, bumping around a little bit, but uh, you know, show uh, a little bit different show this. Uh, and that's this Saturday, free comic book day, correct? At your local comic book store. Your LCBS. Yes. Yeah. Next Saturday, May the May the seventh. Oh, next. Usually Saturday. around the time of the big Marvel movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. So we got a week. Store next week. It'll be free comic book day. Tight. Excellent. Tight. Hey, thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate it, man. Yep, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. Glad I didn't get totally bumped. <laughs> <laughs> See you, buddy. Later, man. Yep, bye. Good show, fellas. Good, Good show. Let's wrap up this episode. Stay tuned for Extra Grinnings, which will be happening basically right away. Unless Adam and, wants his computer and then we'll do it after. We're we going, always do it after. And then we're going to bump... Uh, uh, Grouty after the show will be about ten ten tonight. So okay. Uh, okay, I like that. Ten well, ten. Uh, like ten, that. ten ten ten. That's ten. good. That's good. Ten ten. Yeah, I can remember that because it's the same ten number ten. twice. Thanks for listening, everybody. Ten. See you next week, same ten Grouty time, ten. same Grouty channel, eight o'clock Eastern on Grouty.com. Later, guys. Holla.